everybody. It's uh, Ryan Stockton here, pastor of Marsh Creek Community Church. I'm glad you could join us here. Uh, this is the first of a little experiment that we're trying here at Marsh Creek, a little, a little podcast that I'm calling One More Thing. Uh, it's basically taking some of the content from our uh, sermons this past and uh, the previous Sundays. And if there are any questions or comments, we can take just one more thing about the sermon from this weekend and we can talk about it here, kind of engage a little bit more uh, with some things uh, with you guys. If you have some questions or comments or need clarification on things, this is a great place to do it. So we're trying it out for this Being Bic series, this series that we're starting talking through our identity as a brethren in Christ church. What does it mean to be brethren in Christ, being Bic? So that's what we're calling it. Uh, and this first question that was submitted for this week was uh, came out swinging. It was a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a doozy here. So uh, let me give a little bit of background here first. So please listen to the sermon if you haven't done that. It's also on the podcast. So from this past Sunday, you can check that out. Uh, but just basically talking about uh, some of the history um, the, Anna, the the Brethren in Christ has their roots in the Anabaptist tradition. Anabaptist just meaning uh, to be baptized again. Um, and back in the uh, 1500s, 1600s, when uh, the Anabaptist movement was getting started and growing, uh, when you were baptized as an infant, you were baptized not only into your church tradition, but also into your citizenship of the state. So uh, church and state were, were, were combined. They were, they were not separated at all. They, you know, your spiritual identity was your civic identity. So uh, when you were baptized into the church, you were also baptized into um, your status as a civilian. And so uh, these Anabaptists who said, uh, you know, they were looking at, uh, at this, at this, uh, this reform, as the reforms were going on from the Re- great from the Reformation, Protestant Reformation, with Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli, uh, some of the further reformers were like, you know what? There's there's a lot more stuff that we need to reform here, and one of them is is our practice of baptism, and and, and baptism really should be what we call, have come to call a believer's baptism, where you get baptized once you've come to put your faith in Christ. Um, and so they, that's what they practiced was this b- baptism that occurred when you made the choice to follow Jesus. But what that meant was it kind of said you were, you were renouncing not only your baptism into the church, but you were renouncing your baptism uh, into y- your, your nation, right? You, you were renouncing your citizenship. So it was seen as an act of treason. Uh, and so it was punished as such. It got to be really bad. But this Anabaptist tradition that we have uh, holds a, a you know a pretty high priority on the separation of church and state. The church should not be a governing institution. It was not meant to be a national uh, governance system. Uh, so, uh, so the question that we got submitted reads like this. Since the 100-year since the Anabaptist persecution in the 16th century seemed to center on viewing the separation of church and state as treason, does the current BIC denomination have a stance on Christian nationalism? 
So that's the question, bringing up Christian nationalism on the very first uh, One More Thing podcast here. But that's all right. That's all right. So let's talk about this here. So first of all, what is Christian nationalism? How would we define that? So I think a number of people would define it a number of different ways. But one definition that I heard that I, th- I felt was really helpful uh, was from a, a guy named Jamar Tisby. He's a social commentator, theologian, author, incredible guy. And his definition goes like this. Christian nationalism is an ethno-cultural ideology that uses Christian symbolism to create a permission structure for the acquisition of political power and social control. I'm going to read that again. Uh, Christian nationalism is an ethno-cultural ideology that uses Christian symbolism to create a permission structure for the acquisition of political power and social control. Essentially what that's saying is... um, People are using Christian symbols, Christian language, uh, biblical stories and metaphors uh, to give them permission to acquire power either in the political arena or the social arena, cultural arena. They're using uh, Christian symbols and language to gain power and influence in con- and control. Uh, and, uh, and then there was another, another thing that I thought I, I'm going to bring up here is a PDF that talks a little bit about Christian nationalism and some of the markers of those who might fall in line with Christian nationalist beliefs. Uh, The Brethren in Christ does a thing called Theological Study Forums, and uh, they they do them periodically, and and one of them was uh, done back in February or March or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I took part in that one just to participate and, and learn. And it was on Christian nationalism. And this there's a PDF that they sent out as a part of this. And so I'm going to link to that PDF in the show notes, but I'm going to read from it a little bit here to kind of show tell us a little bit about um, what Christian nationalism might look like for some folks. So on this PDF, which again, we'll link to in the show notes, it says Americans who embrace Christian nationalism are more likely to approve of authoritarian tactics. Um, They fear and distrust religious minorities, including Muslims, atheists, and Jewish folks. Uh, Might condone police violence towards black Americans and distrust accounts of racial inequality in the criminal justice system. Um, They they, uh, believe racial inequality is due to the personal shortcomings of minority groups. They hold anti-immigrant views. They fear refugees. They oppose scientists and science education in schools. Uh, so things like that. So it's a, it can be a pretty, just an incredibly toxic uh, point of view, this, this Christian nationalist point of view. And it really, uh, in my opinion, goes against so much of what we see in scripture. Um, but uh, so that's a little bit about Christian nationalism there, a little bit about how at least we're defining it for our conversation, the point of our conversation here. Now, what about the Brethren in Christ? Do they have an official stance on Christian nationalism? Well, an official stance, not really. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's probably only a matter of time, uh, given what the conversation during the Theological Study Forum that I was just at um, and, uh, and what you'd hear from the leadership uh, in the denomination, denominational leadership uh, has spoken out against this as well. So nothing official has been written, but I think it's only a matter of time. But there is something that was uh, that is written in our the Brethren in Christ Articles of Faith and Doctrine, uh, and this is this is from our Articles of Faith and Doctrine, Article Five. It says the Church recognizes the place God ordains for government in society. As Christians, we pray for the state 
and those who are in authority. At the same time, we believe loyalty to Christ and the church, which is transnational, takes precedence over loyalty to the state. Selective involvements in the affairs of government are appropriate for believers if loyalty to Christ and the principles of his kingdom are carefully guarded, and if such participation will enhance one's Christian witness and service. So, yeah, we believe loyalty to Christ and the church, which is transnational, takes precedence over loyalty to the state. There's not a lot of room for Christian nationalism in that statement. So ultimately, we pray for those in leadership positions in our society, in our government. Uh, Definitely pray for them. But we should never confuse a nation state for God's kingdom. We should never confuse a politician for a prophet. We should never confuse your, your citizenship for loyalty to Christ. Never lose sight of the fact that while we have certain rights as Americans, It is most often these rights that we are called to lay down in the service of others. Uh, We're people of the cross, a people whose very identity is shaped by a slain Savior, a slain Savior. Christianity was never about social or political power or influence. It was never about that. Jesus intentionally targeted the weak, the rejected, the exiled. He loved all the wrong people. Our way is not a way of power as it might be wielded here on earth. It's a way of power through the Holy Spirit to cause the miracle of dead souls coming to life in Christ. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of what I got for that question here today. Uh, that was really fun, uh, at least for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, let us know what you think of these. Um, and we'll, we'll keep going uh, through this series during the Being Brethren in Christ, Being Bix series. I look forward to having more questions and comments and engaging with you guys more on this. And uh, yeah, take care, everyone. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs>